Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Quick note before we begin, the Finding Genius Foundation, as part of the Finding Genius Podcast, has recently completed a book about understanding viruses. So the creation of this book was to interview 100 virologists, ask them a lot of deep, difficult questions, take the most difficult questions, and then re-interview the top 25 or so and ask them the hardest questions I could think of. And we compiled that all into a book. So you'll see question and four or five experts' answers. Question, four or five experts' answers. There's about 30 questions in the book. I think it's a great read for the layperson and for the researcher. talks about a lot of speculation in the world of viruses, such as are they alive or not, and why is it important? Uh, Why do viruses go latent or hidden or ineffective or sit in a person or an animal or another creature for weeks, months, years? and then suddenly become virulent and affect that person. Uh, so there's a lot of really provocative questions in the book. It's now on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius, you'll see the book on viruses. It's also on Kindle. The Audible version is in production and should be ready in approximately a month. But if you want to go and order it now, uh, you can do so again by going to Amazon or Kindle or go, go to findinggeniusfoundation.org and go to Publications. There's an opportunity as well to get the transcripts of all the interviews and to hear the original interviews themselves. If we had put them all together, the book would be about a thousand pages, but we condensed them down to make it juicy and concise and tight and very interesting. So I hope you'll check out the book. Uh, we're now working on one about cancer, but this is going to be our goal is uh, three times a year to come out with these masterclass books that I think will inspire new scientific research. And I hope you'll check it out. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius podcast now part of the Find Your Genius Foundation. I have Stacey Smith. She's the SOS Clinical Brand Manager of Ortho Molecular Products Incorporated. And we're going to talk about uh, the HBA axis. It's just the, I guess, the hypothalamus pituitary uh, adrenal axis. So Stacey, thanks for coming. Yeah. Hi, Richard. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Yeah. Tell me about your work. What What do you do? So I have been a chiropractor. I graduated from chiropractic school in 2004. Um, Both my parents and my brother are all chiropractors. My parents retired. So I kind of come by being in chiropractic and nutrition and lifestyle medicine very naturally. And I moved to Illinois a few years ago and I found this position here. And now I'm using my biochemistry background for research on all of these wonderful lifestyle and nutrition programs that we offer here. Okay. What in your background did you learn about uh, nutrition and your biochemical research? What, how is that applying to your chiropractic work? Well, I started off as a biochem major in undergrad, which really helped me with, you know, just understanding the body as a whole. Knowing that I was going into chiropractic school, I just knew that that would be beneficial for me to have that background. So, you know, just basic nutrition is how I started looking at things when I was out of school. But once I was in practice working with patients, I found that there was a lot more to it than I had ever really understood. And, you know, when I'm working with patients, I was thinking, wow, some people are getting better with 
some of my basic information and some of them aren't. So I wanted to figure out why. And I started digging a little bit deeper into what we call functional medicine. And that's where I really started, you know, learning a lot more in summits and doing more research and taking more classes. Okay. In your bio, you mentioned the uh, HPA axis. Is there a particular uh, type of learning or a biochemistry or a process that you found that you know, interacts with your chiropractic that you think is particularly helpful to people? Well, being a chiropractor, I had the ability to spend a decent amount of time with my patients. And these are repeat patients if they're coming in for an injury. So I got to hear a lot more about their lifestyle and family and work situations and started understanding that, you know, the more stressed out they were, the more muscle tension they had, and the longer it would take me to help them heal. So I just kind of started diving deeper into that, the science behind stress and cortisol and DHEA and how it all plays a role beyond what we hear about adrenal fatigue, which is very like opposite extremes, right? We have Addison's and Cushing's disease, but they're kind of a rare situation. So I wanted to kind of dive deeper into paying attention to everything that was in between those two extremes, right? And in in functional medicine, finding that, you know, we're looking at stress-related dysfunction and kind of abandon that whole adrenal gland being the problem in the situation and just kind of understanding how the brain and the nervous system work and how that's a process that starts more upstream than just the adrenal gland support, you know, releasing cortisol and that really being, you know, the main end stream problem. Oh, so you're trying to go further back in a cascade and say, it's not just your adrenals magically started making more cortisol. That's more to the story. Yeah. It's, it's about, you know, where, where you looked at it from, you know, an adrenal fatigue or an adrenal exhaustion condition to kind of summarize a more complex dysfunction related to the stress response. So, you know, a lot of times we try to understand and describe complicated medical topics as something simple to kind of decrease the complexity of it all. But when we oversimplify that, sometimes we can kind of lose that deeper meaning and cause a little dis- like confusion. So, you know, these terms that have been used have kind of been dispelled as myths in, in the medical community because, you know, it's really, really not the adrenal glands fault. Um, we don't really focus on these two extreme conditions. So there's more to the stress response system you know, people are looking at it as a mental and emotional stress or a perceived stress. And, and really there's so much more to it. Like one of the main issues that I find in a clinical setting is people having blood sugar dysfunction. So, you know, cortisol is a glucocorticoid and it helps regulate our blood sugar. If we have fluctuation in blood sugar, then we're going to have you know, the stress response activated in order to help us regulate that through the action of cortisol and insulin. And so, you know, that is one of the main key stressors that we look into in our stress recovery program as something that we need to regulate one of our major body rhythms, like our circadian rhythm is not just our sleep cycle, but it's also our eating cycle, our ability to digest our food and our ability of our stress response to respond appropriately. 
So when people come into uh, your chiropractic practice, how do you, like, what do you hear from them? They just say, I'm stressed out. You know, how was your day? Oh, I'm so stressed. Or like, how does this all flow? And how do you essentially diagnose and treat people that say these kinds of things? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to it. And, and most people come in and they discuss fatigue. They talk about how tired they are, how they're having mood symptoms as well. So, you know, people sometimes lose their joy in life or they say, oh, I used to have so much energy and now I just can't get through my day the way I used to. Kind of like they need to prioritize what they're going to do because they know that they're not going to make it through every task that they want to put on their schedule for the day. Oh, so now they're, okay, to their day, they're they're thinking, how am I going to get through the day? I don't have enough energy to do it. Yeah. I can only do this, but I, you know, after that, I'm cooked. I have nothing left for the day, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they go into this, like, you know, either anxiety from having high cortisol and high, you know, like stimulation of their nervous system. And then they end up exhausted through parts of their day as well. And it's kind of those people that say, I'm so tired but I can't sleep. So the moment I lay down, I actually am going to lie there for hours and hours until I finally fall asleep. And then my alarm goes off or the people that lie down and fall asleep immediately, which gives us an indication that they're having some stress on their system and and their rhythm is out of function. And then they'll wake up between three and five in the morning alert, like they want to go run a marathon. So when you've looked at these people, you know, have you dealt with hundreds or thousands of them? And what are the common elements that uh, cause the problems? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Well, really, I've been working on this for the last, you know, five or six years with patients, but now in the lifestyle matrix uh, education system, we train practitioners to use this system in their practices. So I speak with a lot of practitioners now, and we basically teach them how to implement this program into their office. So what what we're doing is showing them, you know, this is a, a a questionnaire that will give you an indication of what type of stress is causing the patient's issue. And then being able to take that particular stress or stressor and really giving the patient a lifestyle management program to follow, as well as sending them home with an at-home salivary test kit. They give them instructions. They have them do the kit at home. Um, It's typically somewhere between, you know, five to seven samples where they will either spit in a tube or they have like a, a little sponge that they put in their mouth and it will collect the saliva and they send the sample to the lab and we'll get a pattern that will show us there's, there's a normal cortisol pattern where when we're about to wake up, 
our cortisol starts to increase that will wake us up. And then within that first half hour, we have the highest amount of cortisol that we should have for the day. And then our cortisol should actually drop as the day goes. If it, if it's too high during the day, we have this hyperstimulated anxious state. And if it's too low, then we, we know that the person is likely going to be feeling fatigued and tired and low energy and inability to recover if they do physical activity and stuff like that. And then not having too high of a cortisol in the evening so that they can actually fall asleep. So what are the common pains or problems people have? How do they describe them to you? I mean, we, we kind of went over one scenario, but do they all sound the same or are there different flavors or types? I would say it's a very similar concept. People are tired. They have mood issues like anxiety, depression. They will start having sugar cravings, salt cravings. They have weight gain potentially. And this is where you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, I have people that would come into my clinic and say, you know, I've done everything to try to lose weight. They've either fasted, they've tried every diet under the sun, you know, paleo, keto, Mediterranean, everything. They go to the gym, they exercise, and they're still not able to lose weight or they've plateaued and they can't go any farther. So evaluating their HPA axis is a good indicator. Where are we at in our stress response? If we have too much cortisol, cortisol actually causes trunkal obesity. So you have an inability to lose weight as well. So cortisol creates what kind of obesity? Would you say? Um, it's called trunkal obesity, which is like fat around the belly or the midsection. So people will describe it as, you know, apple shaped or they have an issue with their, their flank. We'll, we'll call it a muffin top, right? So <laughs> that's the, the general term you'll hear in, in the layman's terms. So what happens with cortisol? Like, how does this whole process start and manifest? Like, what do you see beneath the surfaces going on with these people? Well, I think a lot of people have a lot of stress. Um, we pride ourselves on being overscheduled and overstimulated. And we, we really look at it from a perspective of, you know, the busier that, that I am, the more important I look, right? And so... One of the main lifestyle pieces is to, you know, if you need to schedule everything, schedule downtime, schedule time in your day to relax and not have something scheduled or schedule relaxation um, activities like, you know, going for a walk outside, you know, I encourage people to, you know, go outside and play with their kids or their grandkids or, you know, walk their dog outside really get into a routine of something that's going to activate their parasympathetic nervous system over their sympathetic nervous system. So those are two of the main parts of our autonomic nervous system, which means automatic. Our automatic nervous system are things like... If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Blinking or heart beating, digesting our food you know, all the things that you don't want to have to think about because that's what you would do all day, right? <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do any other tasks. So our sympathetic nervous system seems to be in this hyperstimulated state. And, and I think a lot of it is because of electronic devices, right? So we're constantly on our smartphones and our tablets and our computers and we're watching TV and we're hyper-stimulating our nervous system and exposing it to blue light, even when we should you know, have lights dimmed and being, you know, getting ready to fall asleep. 
so what happens to the, to the person? Is it cortisol dysregulation first? And if so, what does that look like? Well, so that's kind of the chicken or the egg question, right? So how does our HPA axis get out of rhythm? Once it's out of rhythm, it causes other body systems to start malfunctioning. And then we get stuck in this vicious cycle of one stress leading to another. So really it's, it's understanding what type of stress has caused your particular dysfunction. So there's, there's different things like in our program, we break it into four key stressors. A lot of people think it's just about mental and emotional stress, which it, it can be, but like I mentioned earlier, blood sugar dysregulation, also inflammation from different sources like allergies, arthritis, other things like gastrointestinal infections. And then I think I mentioned earlier as well, an, another broad category is sleep disturbances. So all of these can contribute to, you know, keeping our, our circadian rhythm in a, in a proper fashion, um, as well as the ability to disrupt it. So, you know, if you travel for work, and you're constantly switching time zones, that's going to potentially be a stressor on your system because even, you know, an hour or two can cause us to shift our ability to digest our food. It'll shift our, our melatonin and cortisol rhythm. So, you know, and people that travel may not be eating as healthy. They're eating more like fast food and processed food and on the go and irregular timing, people that skip meals or they don't eat breakfast, that really affects your cortisol production. Cortisol is the end product that we test and evaluate for our HPA axis dysfunction, but it's, you know, it's uh, our stress response hormone. It's the glucocorticoid that regulates metabolism and it also regulates and helps the immune response. So it controls blood sugar, inflammation, and even memory formulation. So like I said, there's a their normal rhythm of the cortisol levels throughout the day. It's high in the morning and it declines throughout the day. So it's lowest at night so we can sleep. That's also when our melatonin will increase so we can fall asleep. And then of course, our melatonin is supposed to decrease so that we can awaken. Do you ever see patients where their cortisol response is reversed of what it's supposed to be? It peaks at night. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. You can tell a lot by somebody's cortisol rhythm. I can I can take a look at them from practitioners and start asking questions about the patient and I've never even met them. So I'm asking them, you know, is is this person a shift worker? If their cortisol is opposite of what it should be, one, it's supposed to be in rhythm with a day-night cycle. And two, um, it's in rhythm with our, our feeding cycle too, right? So you know, if you eat a meal and your blood sugar goes up and it goes up too high regularly because you're eating, you know, like high sugar, high processed food, then our cortisol will be, you know, out of sync with that as well. So you, you can tell a lot about a person and their sleep cycle you can tell a lot about their eating patterns. And it's kind of interesting. There are common patterns that you can see, like if somebody's cortisol is really high in the morning and really high at night, we, we kind of look at that as a bookend pattern. And that's indicative of them having like a GI infection. And sometimes it means they might even have like parasites or something. What about people that their cortisol was, uh, you know, normal, but in the evening it starts to spike 
And what does that mean if so? Yeah. So I usually ask about their eating pattern. There are people who are like, look, I just don't have time during the day to eat or I, I forget to take food. And then I just get so busy that I eat one large meal at night. There are other people that when they get home from work, they've got a family and they've got, you know, homework and projects to get done and dinner to have made and the next day to prepare for and, you know, work projects to work on or, you know, stress out about for the next day. So you'll see their cortisol go up in those instances. And, you know, those are the main examples, but there are others. So well, how do you begin treating someone that has this problem? Well, one of the main things that we recommend is lifestyle management. And of, of course, one of those is blood sugar regulation. So we just ask a lot of questions and see what it is that's contributing to their cortisol fluctuation, either spiking or decline, and really work with them in understanding what it is that they're doing throughout the day that is contributing to their, their cortisol dysregulation. So a lot of it's lifestyle. But we also have nutrient recommendations. There's a botanical or a group of botanicals called adaptogens. And adaptogens are recommended to help regulate the stress response. It's a way that we assist our body in bringing your homeostasis back in balance. And homeostasis is like, if you think about a thermostat connected to a furnace, you know, you have a set range that you want the temperature to be in your house right? So if it goes above that, it will, the, the thermostat is like a little detector, like a receptor that will flip on and have you turn on the AC and bring the temperature back down into the regular range. Same scenario, if you have a, a low temperature, you'll kick on the furnace, right? So that's how adaptogens work. If your stress on your body from whatever source increases your cortisol levels, the adaptogens will help your body adapt and calm down that robust stress response. And then if stress has caused us to downregulate our stress response, or we actually run out of precursor nutrients to be able to ramp up the stress response, then they'll help our stress response to kind of like ramp up and increase it when we need it. So what What's the consequence of someone that has, uh, you know, very high levels of cortisol for you know, an extended period of time? What happens to them? What are the knockout effects? Well, it's it's going to be potential leading them to burnout and exhaustion, right? So they can have blood sugar fluctuation that can cause moody, moodiness that we call hangry, right? People get irritable. They start getting overwhelmed. Things that they used to be able to handle well, they're not able to handle anymore. They're, they're getting moody. They're starting to stress out about things. They're starting to snap at their coworkers or their spouse or their kids. And then this can leak into anything else, right? So if you have cortisol issues, it's actually a catabolic hormone. So if you have too much of it, it will break down tissues. It will decrease the um, immune response. It'll cause inflammation. It'll slow digestion. It'll suppress your thyroid. It actually suppresses the thyroid stimulating hormone and the conversion of T4 to T3. So you'll end up having thyroid issues that if you get your thyroid tested and they put you on thyroid prescription medication, still have an issue controlling your metabolism and your immune system could be your HPA axis causing all that suppression. And so 
there are patterns of thyroid testing that we can look at to see if it's a nutrient deficiency for the thyroid, if it's HPA axis suppression, or if it's actually Hashimoto's, which is like the increase in antibodies in an autoimmune attack thyroid itself. So there are many repercussions to not fixing this. And a lot of them end in metabolism issues, mood issues, extreme fatigue, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, sleep disturbances. And then if you don't sleep, you don't repair, right? And you can't think and you can't function and you shouldn't be driving because it's very dangerous. And, you know, so there are a lot of repercussions of not correcting this imbalance for sure. But what are some of the uh, you know speed bumps along the way? You'll you'll put them into a lifestyle management program, but you know, do people just go through that and they're better, or what? What uh, kind of makes them fall off the wagon and not make it through? So one thing that I find is that once you start feeling better, you stop doing all the things. So one of it is just compliance. The other thing is that just because you have this lifestyle management plan and these nutrient recommendations that are going to help you decrease the effects of stress on your system and in kind of decrease how it's overwhelming you and, and making it so that you can function better and make better decisions, you know, whether it's about your eating habits or, you know, it's about your sleep hygiene, whatever the case may be, you still have stress in your life. Not everybody can just quit their job or change jobs. Not everybody can get away from, you know, a stressful relationship. So that is another you know, roadblock for some people is that it could revert them or it could just take them longer to heal from it because they're still being bombarded with stress. So are you researching particulars in regards to this condition or what's like the future of uh, treatment in your eyes? What what protocols are you developing or using? Well, one of the main things that we've found is looking at, you know, original functional cortisol testing. So you know, in, in the original cortisol testing, of course, there's serum cortisol testing, which gives you one spot in time, right? So that's getting your blood drawn. But then there's also this salivary cortisol testing, which I mentioned before, you take samples during the day into tubes. And the original testing was, you know, approximately, you know, six to eight in the morning, somewhere between, you know, around noon, 5pm, and then at bedtime, and this is called your, your diurnal cortisol rhythm or pattern. So this PhD researcher, Tom Williams, um, he was really instrumental in bringing to the industry's attention that testing just these four samples wasn't giving us the whole picture. You know, it was very helpful in, in letting us take a look at what's happening for a person during the day. But um, he discovered in the research something called the cortisol awakening response. And so that's, that's uh, abbreviated as what we call CAR, which is kind of fun. And that was really the missing piece that revealed, you know, a lot of really important information about the HPA axis. And now a lot of the lab companies have included this in their test offerings. So CAR consists of the first three morning salivary samples. And You'll have a patient gather their sample immediately upon awakening, just have the tube right on their nightstand, and then 30 minutes after that, and then 30 minutes later. And what you really want to do is make sure they understand not to like brush their teeth or consume caffeine or, you know, anything but really water for that time frame so that it doesn't disrupt the, the collection um, sample. But what this car indicates is 
how robust your stress response is, how far into, you know, this potential for chronic disease, basically as a marker, um, how far along that stress continuum you are. And basically it's a really great indicator of how long it's going to take for your patients to get better. So if your car is out of range and elevated, we just know that the patient is mounting a stress response and it could take, you know, three to six months to get it under control and back in rhythm. If their car curve is low or flattened, um, we're looking at somebody who's, you know, really stressed out and it might take months to years to fix their stress response. So, you know, really it's, it's about looking at this, this cortisol awakening response test, and it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream as maybe even just like a a chronic disease or oxidative stress marker in the functional medicine setting. Very good. Do you have resources for people that are not local to you or do they have to come in the clinic and that's really the only way you can treat them? Do you do telemedicine? I actually do not. We have practitioners that we work with though and implement this program into their practice. So if we have people that contact the Lifestyle Matrix education program, we can refer them to practitioners in their area. We're, we're all over the U.S. and Canada. Oh, that's excellent. One quick question. Has anyone uh, thought about creating a continuous cortisol monitor? You can there for a period of time and then you see what the... I haven't heard of anything. So that's a really great question. I know that they can do that, you know, with, with the, the blood glucose, as far as people checking, you know, with the little finger poke, but as far as them doing that with cortisol, really the, the easiest and the least invasive way at this point that I know of is to, to test the salivary test. What do a saliva test? Okay. Yeah, to yeah, to test the saliva and and do the you know, sending the sample into the lab that way. They also have some urinary metabolites for like sex hormones and things like that as well, the neurotransmitters. But yeah, that's really the only way that I know of. So <laughs> Okay. You know, very good. Well Stacy, what's the best way for people to find out more about uh, your work? Where can they go? Really, they can just find me on the Lifestyle Matrix website. I've been writing some blogs for them, and I work here full time. So I work with a lot of practitioners to implement the program. And patient-wise, we would just refer them to any of the practitioners that uh, we've trained here. Okay, well, very good. Stacey, thank you for coming. It's, uh, it's an interesting issue. You know, I mean, I'm sure inside of everyone's family or people they know, there are people like this that... Uh, are changing and going through this. So it's important. And I appreciate you talking about it. Oh, no problem. Yeah. I mean, really the big takeaway is that there is something that people can do about this. And, you know, looking at it from a perspective of having gone through my own HPA access dysfunction years ago, and really that's why I went on this educational journey to figure it out and, and understand I found a practitioner that had been through it herself. And so, you know, I just want people to understand that there's hope and that they don't need to suffer with these issues. And there are some, you know, lifestyle management and supplement support from adaptogens and neurotransmitter support that they can utilize. So, you know, they can have their life back. Very good. Daisy, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I hope you have a great week. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.